Hi, this is Emeka and Elandris, and you're listening to the So Far Us podcast, the 30-minute podcast where we break down a trending topic, centering the discussion on the Black millennial woman's experience, and explore what it means for us by answering with, so for us, now let's break down this episode's trending topic. is a two-for-one, combining February and March, aka Black History Month and Women's History Month. And just like U.S. House Representative Robert Garcia, we too want to commemorate both Black History Month and Women's History Month by dedicating this episode to trending topics about none other than Mrs. Beyonce Giselle Knowles-Carter. This is a mecca. And for me, you know what? Let me just drop some Black women's history about Beyonce. One of only three artists in Billboard Hot 100 history to have at least 20 top 10s as a solo artist and 10 as a group member. First Black woman to headline Coachella. Ain't that a first woman to chart 12 or more songs at the same time? First woman artist to have their first seven studio albums debut number one on Billboard. Now let's talk awards. She is the most awarded artist in the history of the Soul Train Music Awards, the NAACP Image Awards, the MTV VMAs, the BET Awards, Most Wins and Noms, and of course, as of last month, the Grammys, Most Wins and Nominations of Any Artist. So for Alandris, the words of Representative Robert Garcia ring true. Beyonce is everything that embodies Blackness and womanhood. I, for one, am constantly impressed by not only her work ethic, but her ability to overcome. As a Black woman, this month highlights our intersection, and despite the obstacles we face from race and gender, Beyonce reminds us why we are still that girl. Okay, so we have a lot to try to cover in 30 minutes, so we won't touch much on the Renaissance album, but you can listen to episode seven of season three, Beyonce Summer Renaissance, all up in the mind of a church girl, for our thoughts on the album. So to get us started, I'm going to share a few sentences from California Representative Robert Garcia's speech to Congress on March 1st which was the first congressional tribute ever to Beyonce on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. Mr. Speaker, I rise today to commemorate the end of Black History Month and the beginning of Women's History Month by honoring an individual who represents both so well. She's an icon, a legend, and she is now and forever the moment. I want to celebrate none other than who I believe is the queen of pop and R&B, Beyonce Knowles Carter. Now, a few weeks ago, this brown-skinned girl out of H-Town won her 32nd Grammy, giving her the most Grammy wins of all time. But Beyonce is so much more than a performer and a singer. She's a creator and an artist. Beyonce is also a role model for millions across the country. She stood up for voting rights, for feminism, for women and girls, for my community, the LGBTQ plus community, for my generation and others. She simply is the greatest of all time. Her story is history. Now, when Representative Garcia was asked, 
if Beyonce was robbed of the album of the year, he said, I mean, absolutely. (laughs) But obviously she has claimed an incredible accomplishment in her Grammy wins and that's what we're all going to celebrate. So yes, we are celebrating that, but we're still gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it right now, right? Right. So last month, Beyonce became the most awarded person in Grammy history with 32 Grammys. She's tied with her husband for most Grammy nominations of anyone in Grammys history with 88. And yet this year, like in 2010, when Taylor Swift won album of the year, when I Am Sasha Fierce was nominated, and in 2015, when Beck won, when Beyonce's self-titled album was nominated, and in 2017, when Adele won, when Lemonade was nominated, now this year, Renaissance was nominated, and Harry Styles won. What does Beyonce have to do to win album of the year? Is she destined to be one of those great iconic artists who never wins? Is she going to be one of those artists that she gets it in like her 70s and everyone then tries to say, oh, she only got it because they felt some kind of way because they never gave it to her in the past? I mean, what is the reason? I really don't understand. But also, should we even care? Should Beyonce care if the Grammys give her album of the year or not? So for starters, I don't know who that is. Harry Styles. I don't know who that is. Um, I barely do. Sorry. It's just not my, I, not being a single song, not being a hater. I, that's just, it doesn't come on my playlist, but I know a lot of people love him. So I'm not taken away from that. And I'm sure he's very talented, like, but I don't actually listen, but I mean, I, I couldn't (laughs) begin to give you this. Like, for example, I know who I've heard of Beck. Don't yeah, know their same. songs, but I've heard of them. Harry Styles, never heard of them until the Grammys. <laughs> Not taking that away. I'm pretty sure he's a huge superstar somewhere. Not in my house. So I feel two ways about this. Um, I know that every other Black award show needs to give her her thing. Because she she's the most awarded in many of those. Right. I talked about and, that in my previous segment. So, yeah. It, it's just, I think that we need to make sure that we're celebrated in our things. And we are making sure that we are honoring her because she deserves it. Um, she's putting in the work for decades. Um, and her, her history and background and her videos speak for herself because she actually gives us background videos of what she's doing before she puts it out so it's like the hard work is there girl we can see it although we have not seen the visuals for renaissance sadly but but yes but yes we have not (laughs) we have not we feel some type of way but i'm pretty sure with all of these little signs that she's giving um we're probably going to get it kind of like how we got blackest king we got the album and all this other stuff. And then randomly, She has boom. two more projects, I think, that she has to do for Netflix. So. Oh, God. See, I'm like, I can't with her. But back to the Grammys. I think at this point, we should all stop watching the Grammys. I think people should stop showing up to 
like black artists should stop showing up to these award shows that just keep playing in our faces. I felt the same way about the Oscars with Angela Bassett, you know, because she did the mm. thing. And <laughs> I feel like I feel like the Grammys do this to get Beyonce there, to get the viewership there. But the problem is they don't give her her thanks. And I'm like, you know, this is why we're here. We're here for you to give her her things in front of everybody because you know everybody needs to see her get her things. And that's why I kind of like that she was running late, even <laughs> while receiving awards. And I like that she didn't perform this year. Yes. I'm glad she did not perform. And I hope she never performs there again. Honestly. They don't deserve. They don't. And I feel like the fact that Taylor Swift won over her, Beck won over her, and this person, Harry Styles, won over her. I understand Adele because even Adele was like, uh, you should have gave her her things. Adele knew. So, I mean, if Adele and can tell you that she... Taylor Swift has, her. like, two Album of the Year awards. I don't and understand And Beyonce that. is 0 for 4. I, I don't understand Taylor Swift's <laughs> uh, award situation because I'm not a fan of Taylor Swift at all. I like the people who cover Taylor Swift songs better than Taylor Swift singing her own songs. Oh, my. <laughs> I mean, listen, they sound better. Um, Just... I think award shows in general have reached a new level of low because many of them don't have real talent on stage anymore. Like really good, talented artists that put in the choreography, the visuals, the talent, everything like we used to get like in the early 2000s and the 90s, like people really putting on the theatrics of their performances, the things that we know that Beyonce can give us. I don't understand why we're still not getting artists who actually we know are capable of giving us real artistry their thing. And well, I, I think the Grammys, the Oscars, and the other ones can go sit down somewhere because I will not be watching. I don't watch them either. Um I think I waited to see like when Beyonce was there and I think I may have tuned in or I may have watched clips afterwards. But yeah, I really have no no interest um, really in the Grammys at this point. Um, so we have a lot to cover in less than 30 minutes. So let's transition to more recent news. Um, so yes. Ivy Park, Adidas, no more. That creative partnership ended apparently ended and it was announced i think like on wednesday um but before people could really even really talk about it make content about it when we woke up the next day well i don't know if it was in the morning but the next day mm -hmm. <laughs> we learned about beyonce co-designing a um collection with bama and yeah so Nothing to really, I mean, that's more exciting to me than whatever's going on with Adidas. Um, they say that the split from Adidas was due to major creative differences. And even in what she shared about, or what was shared about what she has said about working with Bama on that um, collection, the Renaissance Couture collection, it, she appreciated the ability to, um, be more creative and expressive, which it sounds like maybe she didn't feel she really had that in that creative partnership with Adidas. Um, 
So what are your thoughts on Ivy Park, on the Renaissance Couture gowns and pieces? So the braid dress was, yes, the braid dress was mine. I loved it. I loved it. Like they braided the dress together and I was like, yes, yes. yes. The one with all of the stones all over it and the huge hat, second. Love it. Love it. It's giving me early 2000s, Darion and House of Darion, like how, not the actual style, but okay. what ended up happening with those two lines. So remember, she gave us options for us to wear every day and like get out like streetwear. Mm -hmm. She gave that to us. But then she had this upscale House of Darion side where you had like gowns and you had this fabulousness. So I can see the um, evolution of that with what happened with Ivy Park and what happened with Balmain. Balmain, don't 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 fight me. <laughs> um, I I see the similarities in those two experiences to have lived through both of those eras, and I feel like she is more of a luxurious brand which you see more creativity Definitely. with those luxury lines than the everyday. And I, and I love that for her. Like I just appreciate the artistry that comes with those gowns and those new, uh, new ideas that she's presenting with uh, Renaissance. Those looks like there's so much creativity to it. Like I see the art in it and I'm like, yes, if you put this on a canvas, I will put this in my house. I I loved it so much. And I'm like, I, I don't I may not ever be able to wear this because I may not be able to afford it, but I can appreciate the art. I can appreciate the effort that went behind it, the wearable art of it. That's what I love about fashion. And I think she did such a wonderful job in transitioning. And it was good marketing to just be like, oh, okay, we're leaving Ivy Park and we're jumping into Belmont. And well, they're leaving Adidas. I don't I think Ivy Park like oh, still sorry. exists. Adidas. I think, yeah, just that partnership, the creative partnership with Adidas, I think ended. Right. Sorry about that. Thank you for the correction. I think, I hope to see her have her own everyday wear where everybody can afford it, whether she collabs with a smaller brand and like to do a Beyonce line. I would love to have more options with that. Um, I've seen the feedback of people saying that Ivy Park wasn't always affordable for everyone and they didn't like the the fact that the rollout of Ivy Park was mainly towards celebrities getting it for free and everyday person spending an arm and a leg on the outfits. I've seen content like that so I'm like I get it um, and I understand why people were in their feelings about it. I hope she does more everyday wear. Uh, but if she chooses not to, I, I can just appreciate the luxury line of the Renaissance where I can appreciate that so much. Like, I literally stared at my screen at that braided dress for hours. Yeah, the braided <laughs> dress is really nice. I think it might be my second favorite. My favorite was the, um, which one was, oh, Alien Superstar. That was my favorite one. It was like the gray one. Um, but, you know, there, there are also now rumors that she'll be attending the Met Gala. And one of the things I noticed, because Cuff It is my favorite track on the album, and each of the dresses relates to a track of the song, sometimes even a specific lyric. 
Um, but there isn't one for Cuff It. And Cuff It is like one of the biggest singles on the album. She even gave us like the wetter remix, the official wetter remix for Cuff It. But there is not a design for Cuff It that we have seen. So some people suspect that she may in fact go to the Met Gala and perhaps that is when we will see the Cuff It dress or gown. I mean, it makes sense. Um, it makes sense, especially since she gave that's the only song she gave a um a remix to, like a really good well, remix, official remix. Like I know Break My Soul had alternative yeah. options, but Cuff It and they had the Queen's remix. Actions. The what? The Queen's remix to, to break, break My Soul. My... Yeah, but it's like, but I can still hear it. It didn't change like a traditional remix. Like, you know, it, it still had the same feel of Break My Soul with the 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 Vogue Madonna-esque to it. I didn't see, I didn't hear it like I heard Cuff It was like a completely, it was like a completely different song. Like it was a real remix, in my opinion. So, I mean, I can I follow, see. I follow what you're saying. I can see where that was. I liked the look of church girl as well. I, I of course thought of you for church girl because I know that was one of your favorite songs on the album. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Move the blue dress. I don't know. I like I liked it, but it's it is fierce. Like the whole look mm. of the model, the the horns, it it was fierce. <laughs> I loved it. Um of course thick with the chandelier and the bodice in the middle. I think that's a chandelier. It's giving chandelier. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But it, it was it definitely really good. <laughs> now, are these the visuals? <laughs> she had worked on this with Baman for the last five months. Um, and then we get this. It, it is something we are visually seeing. It is a visual expression of the album, right? Because they're tied to each track each lyric should we just accept these as our visuals for now and let it go I just this point, say, I mean the tour is about to start so or do you think do you think we're going to get visuals in the way that we're thinking like videos or film or anything before renaissance world tour so I don't know if we're going to get it before renaissance world tour I feel like she's going to end up having like a mix of fan experience at the tour, mix with the videos, and give us a whole Netflix special. <laughs> so that's my idea yeah. when I think Yeah, I mean, it. that's what the first Netflix special was Homecoming from Coachella, or as I refer to it, Beachella, um, as many of us refer to it as. Um, and so, yeah, that would make sense, too. So that could be our visual, our act two, perhaps. Um. I can see that. Um, but you know what, Beyonce, we never know. Like every time we try, like I'm still in my feelings about this emerald green that I have been looking at her wearing and just throwing stuff yeah. out. I know she's gonna drop something with emerald green. I just know she is. I've been saying I mean, that. The as a May baby, I will let you know that the tour starts in May and emerald is our birthstone. So maybe that's what you were you, you were know, seeing. Maybe you, you were seeing the beginning of the tour. You know, that could be it because she was giving us emerald green for a very long time. And I just want to know where it comes into play. And I don't want to just be like, 
she was just wearing emerald green just to throw us off somewhere. I don't <laughs> care if it's 20 years from now and she just had to drop something with Emerald City from the Wiz and go in. I don't I don't care if that's what she does. I can at least say that for 20 years I've been saying this emerald green meant something. <laughs> I just know it does. We shall see. We shall see. But for now, just take credit for perhaps identifying the birthstone of the month of the start of the tour. You know, we shall. That's we something. Shall. You get points for that. I'm going to take credit for that. <laughs> uh, but speaking of the tour, um, let's talk Ticketmaster. Let's talk Ticketmaster. Let's talk. Um, okay, a lot going on there, right? There, They have a class action lawsuits over Drake tickets because someone bought tickets, platinum price tickets from Ticketmaster for like, what, almost $800. And then the next day, um, a concert was dropped for the same city for the next day and the same exact seats apparently were like over $300 less. And then they had the class action lawsuit for the debacle that was the pre-sale and canceled general public sale for the Taylor Swift tour. And then also um, what's going on with, or what happened with The Cure, which I believe is a goth band. And Mm -hmm. they, so with dynamic pricing and platinum tickets, essentially Ticketmaster becomes a scalper, in my opinion. The people they claim they're trying to protect us from, they then become them. Because what they do is they sell regular tickets. Nothing special or platinum about these tickets. There are no extra perks. These are not better seats. The seats could be in the nosebleeds, and they will make it a platinum ticket. And all they do is charge you more, claiming it's based on market demand. Now, artists apparently have the choice to say to Ticketmaster, do not do dynamic pricing for our concerts. We do not want you to sell platinum tickets, okay? Mm-hmm. And so The Cure, this band, actually made that choice. They wanted their tickets to be reasonable for their fans. So they said no dynamic pricing, no platinum tickets. We want them to get the tickets at face value. Well, apparently their fans said, yeah, the tickets were reasonable. Like, there's an example of someone who got tickets for $20. Mm-hmm. However, once they go to checkout, this, someone tweeted, they have a receipt for $20 tickets that included after the $20 face value, an $11.65 service fee, a $10 venue charge, and a $5.50 processing fee. So the fans were pointing out that's great that they can't do platinum tickets, but guess what? They're charging us fees that are more than the price of the ticket. And The Cure did not take it lightly. They spoke to Ticketmaster about it. I don't know how they went about communication with Ticketmaster, but mm-hmm. they got Ticketmaster to agree to refund some of those fees. So it says uh, on their website, on The Cure's website, that Ticketmaster has agreed with us that many of the fees being charged for the shows are unduly high. And as a gesture of goodwill, the company is refunding either $10 or $5 per ticket, depending on the type. So Ticketmaster is out here just trying to make money any way they can. And they I are mean, ripping us off. I mean, I get that they're trying to recover from the past three years because of COVID, which is still a thing. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like 
that's not the way to go about it because I saw so much of the backlash. Like um, when people were talking about the Renaissance tickets when they first came out. So I signed up to be on the wait list when I first. Uh, I, I want, because I, I, I experienced this as well. Even though I did get my tickets, I will be seeing her in two cities in the seats of my choice. But luckily, because I prefer VIP, I didn't have to, I really didn't have to feel, deal with their foolishness. But just to clarify, you signed up, you registered mm-hmm. to get into a lottery, to try to get chosen, to get into a pre-sale, to try to get tickets. You signed up to try to get into a situation to try to get a ticket, and it was never guaranteed. I just wanted to be clear how ridiculous the system was. Yes. And then when they finally made it available, I just had to sit down and pray and pray over my finances because the way that my checking and my savings is set up, um, we're going to see Beyonce on Netflix because I, I the tickets themselves for where they were located was a bit steep for me. But were then, you looking at the regular price? Because I felt like the regular price tickets were reasonable. Because Beyonce puts on a show. I think no, no, no. some people I've saw never the been platinum to a Beyonce tickets concert. and the resale tickets and thought those were the actual face value of the tickets, and it wasn't. I didn't know. I've never been to a Beyonce concert. I've been to Jay Z concerts twice, <laughs> which is saying something. But I never got a chance to go to a Beyonce concert. I was like, let me at least see what would happen if I tried to go to this concert. When I, when it was in the early stages, I saw like the different fees. And by the time I was looking for something that I thought may be a little reasonable, by the time it added up, I was like, oh, I cannot afford this right now. So we just- But were they regular price tickets or platinum tickets? They were supposed to be regular. I didn't see anything that said platinum. Sure, I, I, I don't know. So. I guess everyone has their own well, I think, idea of what they're willing to pay for a concert. So right, I've never, since I've never been to a Beyonce concert, I don't necessarily know what's her average price for a concert. Like I went to Jay Z concert I mean, and I've only paid like obviously everything increases in price over time, right? How much are eggs right. right now? But so it's not going to be as cheap as like the Mrs. Carter show, <laughs> right? Um, when was that? But one? I'm thinking of like, for example, I it was I want to say a spot a stop in Canada, mm-hmm. and I've dealt with Ticketmaster enough to know I'm not gonna play pay platinum tickets unless I get to the point where I'm really desperate. And I think these are just the seats I want, and it has to be reasonably close to the face value price. So mm-hmm. when I was looking, I unclicked platinum tickets. I unclicked resale. It looked like the place was sold out. I was like, wow. Um, and then I added back resale to see what the options were. And it was like a sprinkle. And I was like, wow, it sold out and people like are not selling their tickets, which is supposed to be the whole point of this whole lottery system. Mm-hmm. But then I clicked platinum tickets, which are the overpriced Ticketmaster tickets. Okay. And it, the whole thing lit up. They had most of that stadium under platinum tickets. If I was looking at it correctly, I t- took screenshots because I couldn't believe it. But mm-hmm. my thing, I'm still trying to figure out how making real fans go through a lottery because I was waitlisted 
And I was never taken off the wait list. And because they changed, like, we were supposed to have, like, an extra week or so to register for, like, group cities and group B. And then mm-hmm. out of nowhere, they, with less than a day notice, said, actually, the due date to register is today. I missed that. And I didn't even get to register for the second city I wanted. It was a hot mess. But all of this is supposedly to protect the fans. So I'm trying to figure out how making real fans go through a lottery just to be able to try to buy tickets in a pre-sale, leaving many of us, including myself, unable to even try to buy tickets because we were waitlisted and never removed from the waitlist. How does that protect us from resellers buying tickets to overcharge us for the same tickets if there were resale tickets almost immediately? So the people we're supposedly being protected from were still able to get the tickets when we couldn't. And then on top of that, Ticketmaster was overcharging for the tickets too. So who are they protecting us? And who's protecting us from them? Like, it just didn't make sense. I'm wondering what will happen at these concerts if it's just basically people buying the tickets to resell them and Ticketmaster to price gouge. Like, what's the actual attendance going to look like? Like, are we 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 just gonna be halfway empty in the the stadium? Like, our good sis gonna still get paid, but <laughs> are you just like blocking other people who really want to be there from actually? having that opportunity to go? I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm thankful I got my tickets. I I feel bad for the people who really wanted to go who were unable to get tickets for whatever reason, whether they were waitlisted or mm-hmm. prices were too expensive, especially after fees or if they're only platinum tickets. Um and I, I also feel bad for the people who had to buy platinum tickets because the prices were ridiculous. Um, but I honestly, now that I think about it, I honestly don't know. I thought they were all regular priced. I, like I said, I haven't they bought tickets a lot to a concert of for a while. That I saw in like the Beyonce fan Facebook group. Yes, I am in them. <laughs> a lot of them were like really excited because people were like, oh my gosh, I can buy tickets without a pre-sale code. Um which is how I figured out, oh, okay, they are letting us buy VIP tickets without a pre-sale code. But the regular non-VIP tickets that they were selling during the pre-sale without a pre-sale code, those were all platinum tickets and resale tickets. So they were all overpriced. So if you did not, in fact, have a pre-sale code, and even if you did, um, there weren't that many on sale, it seemed, or that were available. Maybe the ones that were available for regular price and pre-sale sold pretty quickly. But there mm-hmm. were quite a few people who got excited, also panicked, because it wasn't clear if there was going to be a general public sale, and we saw what happened with Taylor Swift's tour, and so being in a panic and knowing I just have to be there, some people bought those platinum tickets, and the prices were outrageous. Jeez. Um, But we digress, because we are a little bit over our time. And we didn't even touch on everything like Swarm and all that. And that's fine. Maybe another episode. But our takeaway from this episode, as we conclude what is collectively Black Women's History Month, that's plural, (laughs) we 
as Black women can be multifaceted and should continually pursue our various passions without regard to those who choose not to fully recognize our gifts and talents and without allowing ourselves to be phased by those who want to put us in a box or stifle our creativity and artistic expression. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the So For Us podcast. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social media sites using the at So For Us podcast handle. Like, comment, leave a review, send us a trending topic you'd like us to discuss, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We'll talk to you soon in the best place that is So For Us.